the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Good evening, everybody. Ron Geyer, End Time Insights. Once again, thank you for joining us on this broadcast. We love doing this, and we're excited about the topic. We've been talking about the sovereignty of God in the earth today, last week, the week before, probably next week also. And that has come up only because it has come to my attention. I was bombarded with people denying the sovereignty of God in the earth. I said, I can't let that stand. So uh, we decided to study it and do a teaching on it and to make a case why God is sovereign in the earth. The first week we spoke about how one of the issues why people would not agree that God was sovereign in the earth. They said, well, how can God be sovereign in the earth and man be a free will moral agent at the same time? And we showed how God being sovereign in the earth today does not contradict, does not violate the free will of man. We referenced the fact where people would bring up the part where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. But we showed you in Scripture where six times before God hardened Pharaoh's heart, it talked about the fact that Pharaoh had hardened his own heart. And all God was doing was completing the process of the hardening of the heart that Pharaoh, of his own free will, had already chosen to do. Last week, we started talking about the authority issue where Jesus gave authority to man, where God gave the earth over to Adam. A lot of preachers were preaching that because of that, God no longer can act in the earth without man's cooperation. All of that is false, and we've been looking at the reasons why that is being promoted as truth. So we've been just tearing them down one by one, going through Scripture, going through the Bible. So we're in the second aspect of that now. We're still challenging the idea that man is sovereign on the earth. God cannot do anything without partnering with man. And yes, God uses man, but no, God does not need man, not at all. He's God. You're not. Maybe I'll start off with that scripture. I wasn't going to get there. But Romans nine eighteen through 23, Therefore, the Lord, he has mercy on whom he will have mercy, and whom he will harden, he will harden. That will say unto me, then, why doth he yet find fault for who has resisted God's will? Nay, verse 20, but, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, why have you made me this way? Has not the potter power over the clay, he still has it today, folks, of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? What if God willing to show his wrath, oof, we're right here, what if God willing to show his wrath and to make his power known endured with much long suffering the vessels of wrath that were fitted to destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy? 
which he has afore prepared unto glory. So basically, Romans 9, 18, 23, it says, don't you be questioning God. He's God. You're not. He's creator. You're the creation. Let's get that right. And Romans 1 challenges that, where we have rejected the idea that God is the creator, that he is the sovereign creator. We have challenged that. And if you read Romans 1, probably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, Romans chapter 1, it talks about what man has done uh, to the sovereignty of God. It talks about what man has done in regards to forsaking him through lack of uh, acknowledging who he is, to lack of gratitude, lack of thankfulness. And it talks about what God has done to man in that regard, once again, showing his sovereignty and letting you know that you can only go so far with God before he just runs out of patience. Anyway, that's not where I was going to start, but I did want to bring that up. I felt like I was at that point. But I want to go back. We closed last week talking about James 4, 14 and 15. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. This is a great scripture. I want to break it down a little bit. First, let's read the scripture. It says here, if the Lord wills, if the Lord wills, that's the will of God, the sovereignty of God in the earth. It says, if the Lord wills, we shall either live and do this or that. So there are two areas where God wills over man, both your life, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that, what we do. So basically, this scripture is acknowledging that God still has final say on what we will do or whether we will live or not. If God wills, he wills over two things, both your life and what you do, and they aren't subject to your faith or your confession or whatever you declare or decree. Both are subject to what? The Lord's will, whether you live or whether you die and what you do with the life while you're alive are subject to the Lord's will in the earth today. That does not violate the sovereignty of man. Within that, there is still man's choice, but there's still the direction of the Lord. The, the, uh, the children of God are led by the Spirit of God. He leads us and guides us in the way that we should go. James seems to think that God has a voice in the affairs of men in the earth today, and so do I. Yet many Christian leaders feel it is God who can only respond to our prayers, or else he can do nothing. I thought it was God who leads man and not man who leads God. We've got that backwards. Am I missing something? Where did I go wrong? No, I didn't go wrong. I just read you the Bible. It's these people that are reasoning things out because they don't understand the Bible because they'll come across something that is foreign to their thinking. I tell you, man, I cringe when people tell me they think. I just, ugh, immediately I just go on defense because they're going to immediately tell me something why they don't agree with the Scripture or the Word of God. You can't do that. If you're a Christian, the Bible says, conform your thinking to God. You know, I have an opinion, yes, but it is subject to the Word of God. And if my opinion is not in keeping in line, in agreement with what God has written, then guess what? My opinion is wrong. We don't bow the Word of God to fit into my opinion. We bow my opinion to conform to the Word of God. Oh, by the way, the book of James is now under scrutiny, and there are rumblings of an effort to remove it from the canon of Holy Scripture. I know, amazing. God's sovereignty isn't the only thing that's under assault by Satan in these last days. 
Guys, just be careful. Our greatest threat isn't from government or the world. Our greatest threat is from the false prophets and the false teachers and the false doctrines that have crept into the church. Adam felt he didn't need God, and Lucifer decided he wanted to be God. We've got the same options before us. Either God decides our future, or we do. Albert Barnes, old-time Bible commentator, writes this about it. The sovereignty of God is proper in the earth. The sovereignty of God in the earth is proper because we are wholly dependent on him for life. I mean, it's so simple. You know, if God doesn't will it, you don't live. It's that simple. And we are just so warped in our thinking. All you got to do is turn on one of the news shows and listen to some of the stuff that the people we've elected as our representatives are thinking about doing. It's strange. You think they're from another planet. I'm, I'm shocked. Every day I come home and my wife will tell me another thing that they've done. I just can't understand it. Okay, this is proper because we are wholly dependent upon God for life and as dependent upon him for the success in which we live these lives also. There is nothing on which the success of our plans depends over which we have absolute control. There is nothing, therefore, on which we can base the assurances of success except for his favor. If God favors us, we can have success. If he doesn't, then we're left to our own devices, and there's no power in man's own devices. God doesn't serve man. Man serves God. Get that straight. It is the height of arrogance to think God needs man to do anything for him. If you are using your God-given authority to rule and reign in your own life, then you have missed the point of your God-given authority. He gave it so we could serve with him, not instead of him. That's such an important point. We are supposed to be partners with God. We are the household of faith, fellow laborers, co-laborers with God, with Jesus Christ. It is high time proud Christians return once more to honor the supremacy of God in our lives. A lot of this kind of carnal reasoning is because the church doesn't fear God. We've left that off. Remember, Ananias and Sapphira, remember them? Okay, they lied to the Holy Ghost. So what did God do? He killed them. The sovereign God in the New Testament killed them. What was the result of them being killed for lying to the Holy Ghost? Well, Acts 5.11 says, And great fear came upon the whole church. I'll tell you, we need some of those Ananias and Sapphira incidences in our lives today. The church needs to fear the Lord. Unfortunately, we fear man more than we fear God. Ananias and Sapphira, that's in uh, Acts 5 and in verse 11. Great fear fell upon the whole church. And what was the result of great fear? Well, verse 12, signs and wonders started to being worked again by the apostles. Verse 14, believers were added to the church. Verse 16, there was deliverance for the people. Verse 18, persecution came upon the church. Verse 19, an angel of the Lord showed up and delivered the apostles from the persecution. Look at all the supernatural activity that came upon it. It's all good. Even the persecution, if you're going to live holy lives, you're going to be persecuted. Just get that settled. But look at that. In verse 11, great fear fell upon the church because God killed Ananias and Sapphira. God judged him for lying to his Holy Spirit. And I love the greater lesson in there is that God was not going to put up with any garbage in his church going on. He expected the church to judge each other, to judge within the church so that we would be a holy church, so that we would be a clean, pure church. And when we didn't, he stepped in and he did it for us. 
We can't talk about that today. We can't preach that today because people don't like the God. They say, well, the God of the Old Testament, he's too hard. Well, this is the God of the New Testament. And by the way, the God of the Old Testament just happens to be the same God in the New Testament. Nothing's changed in that regard. What God has done through Jesus Christ is he has afforded man the opportunity to change. And that's the good news about Jesus Christ. If we repent of our sins, we can be born again. We can be a new creature. Behold, all things have passed away. All things have become new. One of the reasons that preachers challenge the sovereignty of God is not only is because there's no fear of the Lord or very little fear of the Lord in the church, but once again, we don't understand God. And when we can't understand God, immediately we go to our carnal thinking to try to explain this away. You know, and these folks, they're not necessarily evil. They've got good hearts, but they're not God hearts. They're thinking with their minds instead of allowing the spirit of God to receive revelation into the man's spirit and thereby giving us divine truth about who God is. God doesn't need us to think for him. (laughs) He's perfectly capable of revealing himself to us in the manner he wishes to be known. They refuse to take the scriptures at face value. We have reinvented God into something that we can relate to. And I get that. You know, the things of God are spiritual. You don't understand them in your mind. You've got to get the Holy Spirit to reveal them to you. God speaks to your spirit, man. Okay? It's up to you to renew your mind according to the Word of God, the washing water of the Word. You study the Scripture, and the Scriptures reveal to you God's meaning and intent from that Word of God. But we rely too much on our carnal thinking, and it's relying too much on our carnal thinking is because we are carnal-minded. You know, if we would stay spiritually-minded, we would have life and peace. But because we're carnal-minded, that only breeds death and confusion. It dismisses the Holy Ghost as the agent of truth. Okay, we have a we we have reinvented God into something that we can relate to in our minds rather than a spiritual to spiritual relationship. We have a carnal relationship with God, which is no relationship at all, because we think that will better relate to the loss that we're preaching to. I know preachers talk about the fact we're not going to talk about sin in our church because the world beats them up and we don't want to beat them up. Well, you don't beat them up when you talk about sin. You are allowing the Holy Spirit of God to convict them of their sin, clearing the way for them to receive the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which will bring repentance. But once again, we think we know better than God. We would rather use our own carnal approach to preaching the gospel than allowing God's approach, which includes the Holy Spirit. Man's approach removes the Holy Spirit from the process of salvation. People aren't getting saved. There's no transformation being taking place. There's no conviction being taking place. And we get them to say a little 10-second Jesus prayer at the end, send them home, telling them they're saved. Nothing could be further from the truth. We rely on our carnal efforts instead of his. Man's reasoning is called humanism. And it ends and results in paganism. Our church is full of pagan doctrines. I spoke with a pastor once. I was explaining about the judgments of God. He couldn't understand how a loving God could kill people in judgment. So what did he do? He reasoned it out that God is not a God of judgment, direct violation of Scripture, and the devil sends all plagues and calamities into the earth, not God. Basically, he reasoned away God's attempt to correct us through discipline and judgment and his attempt to rebuke us. And God's message to us then gets lost and we stay in our sin. Like I said, the threat to America isn't the world. It isn't the sinner. It's the false stuff going on within the church. 
By the way, many churches are dying a slow death because of just this type of attitude where we think we know better than God. When we don't understand God, we will explain it away through our human reasonings. You know, these are serious problems in many of today's modern churches. These problems, while seeming new to us, nevertheless, they follow the same pattern from those people that did the same thing long ago. I was speaking to a pastor the other day, and he posted something on Facebook about judgment. And he says, well, you know, I have come to the decision. I'm not going to judge things anymore because I don't want to find fault. I don't want to think evil. I don't want to see what's going on that's wrong in the earth. And he put it in a sense that it's always negative. This man had no understanding the purpose of judgment. The Bible says in Isaiah 26, 9, when God's judgments are in the earth, the nations will learn what righteous living looks like. The Bible says in Psalm, I think it's Psalm 9, that uh, God is known by the judgments that he's executing. The Bible talks about in Psalms that because God loves us, he has to judge us. He's trying to correct us. And when we do away with that, it just leads us in darkness. So I spoke to this pastor friend and I said, well, let, let me ask you this. Okay, do you know what the Bible talks about? Do you know what, what is it? It's First Corinthians, uh, what is it? I slipped my mind. I think it's, oh, First Corinthians 2.15, that's it. And he says, he that is spiritual judges all things. I go, what do you do with that? You've already said you're not going to judge anymore because you think it doesn't do any good. Well, I have just shown you the scripture that says, he that is spiritual judges all things. God is a spirit. Those that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. If you are going to remove your spirituality, if you are going to attempt to stay connected to God through a five-sense round relationship, it's not going to happen. You just can't do it. You must come to God. You must believe that he is. He is a spirit. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Your, your efforts to find God are spiritual. He is a spirit. You must worship him in spirit and in truth. His Holy Spirit lives inside you. His Holy Spirit gives life to your dead spirit, man. It's a spirit-to-spirit relationship. If you're going to do away with that in one of the most important aspects of the church— judgment, you know, you are denying God his opportunity to move in your life and in the life of others. You're a pastor, man. You got to put the word of God first and foremost. You know, I shared that scripture with him. And at the end of the day, he recognized he was carnal. He repented. And he goes, wow, I hadn't looked at it that way. Now, here's the problem. He goes to a church that's a carnal church. It's the pastor's job to acknowledge that God is sovereign. His word is absolute. Heaven and earth will pass away. My word will never pass away. The sovereignty of God includes the preaching of his word. And when you go to a carnal church that does not explain those scriptures to you, then you're left on your own to do it. But when you go to a carnal church, you don't have a spiritual desire for the things of God. So now we got carnality, a result of man thinking he knows better than God. We've proven to you over and over and over and over again that God is sovereign. Here's another scripture, Second Peter 2, 1. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, the church, who privately shall bring in damnable heresies, damnable. These heresies that they bring in, that's not a cuss word. These heresies that they bring in, they have the ability to remove you from the place of salvation. The word there for deception is planeo, P-L-A-N-E-O, and it literally means to remove you from the place, to cause you to roam from the place of safety. My salvation is my place of safety. But when I listen to these damnable or darnable heresies, they remove me from that same place, and my salvation becomes at risk. Even denying the Lord that brought them and bring upon themselves swift 
destruction. You know, this is heavy stuff, man. We've got to stay focused on the Word of God. I do not want to hear your opinions. So I'm starting to give you, I think, I think, I think, I feel, I feel, I feel. I want, I want, I want. If my preaching turns into that, you turn me off. You go somewhere else. But I want to give you, thus saith the Lord, from the Word of God. I want to explain to you the Word of God. Look at this. Heavy stuff. Denying the Lord. That could mean that they didn't know Christ. But Mr. Barclay is going to explain it in a minute. It means also denying the authority of Christ. Because look, these people were in the churches. They were so-called Christians. And they were teaching false doctrine. They were teaching that God is not sovereign in the earth today. Denying his authority. That means you are denying the authority of God to move in the earth without man. That's based on the fact these Christian people were teaching this. Maybe they weren't Christians. They were in the churches. But that's what's happening today. That's why this is such a huge issue for me personally. Denying the sovereignty of the Lord. It's a damnable heresy. It has the ability to remove you from the place of salvation. Brother Barclay, William Barclay, writes it like this. What was happening in the case of Peter's warning to the people was that certain self-styled prophets were insidiously persuading men to believe the things that they wish to be true rather than persuading them to believe the things that God had revealed to be true. They did not set themselves up as opponents to Christianity, actually far from it. They set themselves up as the finest fruits of Christian thinking. And so it was gradually and subtly that the people were being lured away from God's truths to other men's private opinions. That's heresy, brothers and sisters, and they have the ability to remove you from your place of safety in Christ Jesus. Now, unfortunately, this deception in one's life, it starts with religion. Denying the sovereignty of God is an example. Word of faith stretches that man's God-given authority in the spirit realm on the earth, and pretty soon we find man replacing God. You know, it's just a small step. Well, God's not sovereign in the earth, but he's sovereign in heaven. But he gave this earth over to man, and he gave the authority of the earth over to man, and he gave him power to rule and reign in it. Well, yes, he did, but he only gave Adam power over the fish, over the birds, and over the cattle. He didn't give him anything else. He said, work the earth, have dominion over it, work it. But he didn't divest himself of the title of the earth. He didn't give Adam title to the earth. He says, you're going to be out there. You're going to be a regent. You're going to be my representative. You're not going to rule in my stead. Okay? And your power is not absolute. I didn't give you absolute power. But now here we are, 2,000 years later, the Word of Faith movement is saying that God can't do anything in the earth without cooperation from man. That puts the onus of power on man and not on God. And that's false. But that's in keeping with, in the last days, men would be lovers of themselves. We've recreated God in our own image. We determine our future. We dictate what can and cannot happen. We usurp his authority in our lives with our words. We use our words to our confession. Till finally, we deny his ability to accomplish his will in our lives without our permission. We assume sovereignty in the earth and we limit God's rule to heaven. Who do we think we are? This is astounding. I can't believe I have to defend this. See how subtle all this is, though? If we aren't spiritually discerning, we fall for this. Staying in the word always and only. And guard yourself from Peter's false teachers. What did I write here? Romans chapter 1. When we deny God his rightful place by not glorifying him as God or being thankful to him as God, we become vain and proud in our thinking, in our imaginations, and our hearts become hard. That's what the Bible says. 
and we begin to doubt God, and the Bible says we become fools. People are trying to show, Galatians 6, 7, people are trying to show through this verse, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man shall sow, that's how he also reap. And people are trying to show that we control our own destiny just by that one scripture. Whatsoever a man shall sow, that shall he reap. They're saying, well, you know, if I show kindness, I'm going to reap kindness, which is true. It's a spiritual truth. If I show love, I'm going to reap love. It's a spiritual truth. That's going to happen. But that doesn't eliminate the evil that's still in this fallen earth from happening to you also. We think that we can dictate every move that we make by taking scriptures out of context and living by godly principles. When you live by godly principles, you have a formula for success, but that is not the only thing that's going to affect you in your lives. How ignorant is that? How foolish is that? I'll develop that scripture when I come back next week. I cannot believe how quickly my time goes. But anyway, we love you. We are praying for you. We trust God to reveal himself to you, that you may know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, that you may be made conformable to him in life and in death. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.